Ah, it's a good day. Did you go outside yesterday? Oh man, 70 degrees. Beautiful. The boys are jumping on the trampoline and, uh, and Levi, my youngest, he used to do a thing where he would bounce, um, cause he couldn't actually jump on his own, like on his feet. Uh, so before he could do that, he had learned to fall onto his butt and then bounce back up to his feet, and he would just go butt, feet, butt, feet, butt, feet, butt, feet, all the way around the trampoline. And, uh, and then now he can jump on his feet, so he's like feet, 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 just all the way around the trampoline, and Aiden was having fun bouncing him too high, and then I was panicking because I've never seen him go that high. So um, it was a good day. It was a good day. I'm wondering what the summer is going to be like but it was a good day. Uh, I'm glad that you're here. Like I said earlier, uh, it's one of the least attended Sundays of the year because people, uh, you know, their alarm goes off and they go, there's no way. (laughs) But I'm glad that you're here. The fact that you're here, uh, I think, is a blessing from the Lord, and he's brought you here for a reason. I think Jesus has something to say to you. There's There's something that he wants to do in your life this morning. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. And so I'm glad that you're here. We're starting a new sermon series this morning. Uh, We're calling it Follow Me, which we find Jesus saying over and over in the Gospels. Uh, We're going to focus on some of the more pivotal moments in the the life and ministry of Jesus leading up to Easter, and this this series is going to take us through our Easter service. Uh, In Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist is uh, preparing the way for Jesus. He's baptizing people in the River Jordan if they confess their sins. He called it a baptism of repentance that was preparing the way for what the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ, would do. And then Jesus showed up. So John the Baptist is out at the river. He's baptizing people in the river. Lots of people are coming to the river to be baptized in this baptism of repentance by John the Baptist. And then Jesus showed up. Jesus comes to the river. And John's just been saying, I'm preparing the way for the one who will do greater things than these. I'm preparing the way so that you, you are prepared when the Messiah comes. And Jesus came and John immediately recognized him as the Messiah and basically refused to baptize him, said, I can't baptize you. He said, I need to be baptized by you, but you come to me? And Jesus basically told him, just do it. It needs to be done for the sake of righteousness. And this was before Jesus had begun his ministry. There was no teaching. There was no preaching. This was the thing that started his ministry. He got in the water, and and John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And it's a big deal. Why? Because He gets in the water, he comes out, the skies open, God speaks from heaven and says, this is my son, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit comes and descends on him bodily, lands on him in front of everyone. That's a big deal. If it happened to you, it would be a big deal, right? We baptized uh, five people a few weeks ago, and if the, and if the roof ripped open <laughs> and something came down and landed, and you heard a, you heard a booming voice 
say something, uh, you would write that in your Bible, wouldn't you? You'd put that right in front of the cover right where it says, this Bible belongs to Aaron Crawford. Well, not yours, but you would write um, exactly what happened, and then you would... And then you would open a Facebook account, and then you would make up. You would make Facebook posts about it. It would be a big deal. It's a big deal for Jesus. It's huge, and that's actually where our story begins. Is right after that, after that big moment in Jesus' life. If you have a Bible and you'd like to follow along, please turn to Matthew chapter four. On uh, in the red Bibles, if you're using the Bible under the chair, it's on page eight oh nine. We're going to start right at the beginning with verse one. We'll just talk through it as we, as we read through it. All right, this is Matthew's gospel, Matthew's account of Jesus' life. Chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So you can stop there. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Yay! Oh. Oh, Jesus. It's a... It's not going to be easy. Can you tell? It's a big shift. Okay? from the skies opening up and God speaking down from heaven, that's my boy! And the Holy Spirit coming down and empowering Jesus for his ministry. And then from there, and you can't see it because it's grayed out, but, and then God says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And then the next verse, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's a big shift. That's a big shift. Have you noticed anything shifting like that ever in your life? Where you go from, from feeling like you got a big hug from the Lord and then the devil shows up and tries to steal your joy. Has that ever happened to you? I can think of some biblical examples of this. Um, Jonah went to Nineveh and successfully preached repentance to Nineveh and then got really, really sad about it. And he went and sat under a tree and wished that he died. Um, Elijah, there's a, there's a, a cool story in 1 Kings 18 where the prophet uh, uh, Elijah, he's a prophet of the Lord, he single-handedly went up against 450 prophets of a false god named Baal or Baal, in an, basically an epic battle of my dad can beat up your dad. <laughs> and it was just Elijah standing on the word of the Lord as God's prophet and then 450 prophets of, of, of Baal. And Elijah wins. God prevails. Elijah is uh, victorious But then the very next chapter starts with Elijah getting a message from someone who wasn't happy about that. God did something really good and powerful, and someone wasn't happy about it. He says, I don't like the way that you did that. And so what does Elijah do? He runs for his life. 
Sometimes we go, and I think one of, the, one of the things we need to learn from this, and it happens over and over again in the Bible, it'll happen in your life too, and I don't want you to be surprised, and you can, you can write this down. One of the lessons is don't be surprised when spiritual highs are followed by spiritual lows. Um, God's doing really good things in this church. We've had eight new uh, members join our church in two months. We've had five people baptized. We've seen three people give their lives to Jesus for the first time. God's doing really powerful things in the church. And then I find out that someone is leaving the church because the service went too long last week. Someone else is leaving the church because it's taking the choir too long to prepare for Easter. It, look, it doesn't, don't be surprised. If God is doing really powerful things in your life, in the church, we just shouldn't be surprised when the devil shows up and tries to steal that away from us. You just should not be surprised, okay? Uh, in, in your life too, and, and, I, and, and, and I don't mean, to, I don't mean to, to say bad things about people who have, who have left the church, um, not everyone has bad reasons, but sometimes people do. People have reasons that don't make any sense. Um, and you just accept it as part of, uh, look, if I'm doing what Jesus wants me to do right now, and then the next thing I do is what Jesus wants me to do, and then the next thing I do is what Jesus wants me to do, wherever I end up, it's going to be where Jesus wants me. Amen. And that's just what you keep doing. And the devil's going to try to lure you away. And so that's what this passage is about. But just don't be surprised when it happens because the devil's real. He's real. I don't want you to be afraid because Jesus is realer, right? Jesus is greater. Amen? Amen. Okay, I'm going to do that again. I I want you to say amen without me prompting you, okay? (laughs) Jesus is greater than the devil. (laughs) Thank you. Jesus is greater, but the devil is real. The devil is real, and he hates it when we're doing good things for Jesus. If you're not playing in the game, the, other, the opposing team doesn't care about you. I'm sorry. But if you're a playing in the game, there's a game plan for you. There's a game plan for you. So just be aware of that. Spiritual highs are often followed by spiritual lows, by, by battles and struggles. And that's what we see in Matthew 4.1, is Jesus going from a huge win straight into a battle. Before we go on to the next verse, I just want to observe one more thing. Who leads Jesus into the wilderness? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, to be clear, God doesn't tempt us. James uh, the, uh, the letter that James wrote, verse one, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 13, says, Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Okay, but God often does put us in positions where we have opportunities to grow. And it's important to remember, and you should, we, we're also going to write this down, that temptation... While it doesn't come from God, but he's with us while we go through it. 
God doesn't stop you from being tempted. And in this passage, we're going to see that God doesn't stop Jesus from being tempted, but he's with us while we go through it. And Jesus is greater than the devil. Yeah! All right. The same God who saved you from your sin, the same God who saved you from an eternity in hell, the same God who has changed your life forever is the God that walks with you every time you go through anything that you go through in life. He's with you always. Amen? He's with you with whatever you go through. This same Holy Spirit that came down and landed on Jesus and now is pushing him into the wilderness and is going to empower him throughout his ministry is the spirit that Jesus gave you when you gave your life to Jesus. That's, that's, that's what you bring to this game. That's what you walk into this battle with. Think about that. But he does let us experience challenges. He doesn't leave us empty-handed, but he does let us go through those things. So Jesus is being led by the Spirit into the wilderness where temptation was waiting for him. Let's keep reading. This is verse 2. All right. Okay. Verse 2. And after 40 days, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, guess what? He was hungry. He was hungry. And the tempter, that's the devil, came and said to him, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Notice in this passage that Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days. He's fasting. He's reflecting on his baptism. That's a big thing that happened. He's thinking about it. He's reflecting on his identity, his mission, who he is, what he's going to do. And he's waiting for 40 days. He's waiting for something to happen. And the devil, the devil's no dummy. He's not going to throw an obvious punch right when you expect it. He's going to sucker punch you, right? In fact, let's just write that down. In one of the most fun blanks you'll ever see, the devil is a sucker puncher. (laughs) But it's true. It's true. You're you're like, if you're like this, okay, I'm ready. But he's going to hit you like back here. Oh, my hamstring, right? He, he's a deceiver. He's deceptive. He's full of lies. So what you're expecting him to do, you can expect him to do that. But we need to put on, like Robert said last week, the full armor of God. Because the devil's a sucker puncher. Robert also uh, used this passage last week, which I love, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal it. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded. Okay? Be smart and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's coming for you, and he's a sucker puncher, so look out, okay? Um, And that's the idea here in Matthew 4. Jesus was waiting. He was fasting. He's prepared for whatever's coming, and then when the devil shows up, he's called the tempter here. He came, and he used his fasting against him. 
He used the fact that Jesus was hungry because he'd been fasting. He uses that against Jesus. You know you're hungry and you need some food. How about if you're the son of God, why don't you command these stones to become loaves of bread? Well, that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. Notice notice the, the seed of doubt that's being planted if you're the son of God. Because Jesus now has the Holy Spirit, which also means that in a way he did not have the Holy Spirit before. He was Jesus, he is God, he is the son of God, always was, always is, always will be. But when the Holy Spirit comes, now you've got a twofer. You know what I'm talking about? Now it's Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit. He goes out in the wilderness and Satan says, you know, I know that you're wondering about what all this means. You know what? Let's just try something. I'm I'm your buddy, right? I got your back. If you're the son of God, uh, and I know you're hungry, God doesn't want you to be hungry. You know what I mean? Uh, You need food. Uh, Tell these, these stones to become bread, and then you'll know. It's a win-win. You get fed, and then you know what, who you really are. It's a win-win. What a dirty trick. But Jesus says, man, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man, if only we could respond to temptations from Satan by saying, all I need is every word that comes from the mouth of God. If every time the devil said, but what about this? Well, don't you want this? Or couldn't you do this? Or wouldn't this be good for you? Or don't you deserve this? If every time the devil came to you with a temptation and a lie, if we were able to say, all I need is Jesus. All I need is Jesus. All I need is every word that comes from the mouth of God. All I need is this. I don't need anything the devil can offer me. I don't need anything. I don't need any temptation. No temptation can lead me away from Jesus because all I need is every word, every word breathed out of the mouth of God. If only we could, we should, we can, we must. All I need is the Lord. If we thought that, if we felt like that, we wouldn't we wouldn't be tempted in the ways that we are. That's what Jesus says. I don't need, I don't need it. Bread, I don't need it. All I need is every word from the mouth of God. Unfortunately, the devil tricks us by making us think that we really need things that we don't really need. I, I must have this. I must have that. Really? No, not really. It's a trick. It's a trick. And think about this. Jesus actually says that about food. And what do you actually need? Food. You actually need food, right? Jesus says this about one of the actual physical necessities of life. I don't need it. All I need is God. All I need is what God is saying to me. That's powerful. Let's keep reading. This is verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city, that's Jerusalem, 
and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him again, it's written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. I want to take just a second and observe that this particular part of the story um, has all the makings of like a, a dream or a vision, right? Because Jesus is in the wilderness, and then all of a sudden he's at the pinnacle at the top of the temple in Jerusalem. Um, uh, honestly, it, it doesn't matter. Um, it could have happened exactly this way. It could have happened ex- exactly this way. It could have also been something that Jesus was, uh, was a vision that Jesus was having that was tempting him. Because ultimately we know that temptations happen inside, right? Um, I want something and that want happens inside me. That battle happens inside me. So uh, uh, you could have a dream, for example, that leads your heart to sin. Does that make sense? where you, you are thinking, or say you're daydreaming about something and it leads you to a, 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 an unwholesome thought, right? Okay, so those things happen inside. It could be, I, all I'm saying is that if, that if that part of the story is gonna throw you off, don't let it. Uh, don't let the fact that he was in the wilderness and then he's at the temple and then he's gonna be somewhere else in the, in the next one. Don't let that deter you from the message of this passage, which is what the devil is doing, okay? We good? Let's, let's just do, does anyone have a question about that? All right, okay. Okay, I think the fact in this passage, the fact that Jesus was tempted brings up something that we need to write down because it's important to remember, and that's our fourth point, which is that temptation is not sin, Sin is sin. Temptation is temptation. Temptation is temptation towards sin, but it's not sin itself. The desire for something bad is only, it becomes sinful if you give in to it. Uh, This is important to understand, especially in the world today, because we have people um, who identify as homosexual, right? And uh, the homosexual community wants uh, takes a temptation, a, a thought or a desire, and says, uh, because I have that, it means that I am that, and that I, should, I, I have to act on it. I mean, who would I be to say no to a desire that I have? We could be like everyone else in the world. We don't do that. If it's a desire that is not honoring to God, you, it's called a temptation, and you say no, and you go away from it. I just, so I want to be clear The fact that Jesus was tempted doesn't mean that he sinned. The Bible says that he became sin who knew no sin. Jesus never sinned at all. But Hebrews tells us that we have this high priest in Jesus who has been been tempted in every way just like we have so that he's able to empathize with what we go through. Jesus knows what it's like to to be tempted towards sin. He was tempted toward it just like we are, but he showed faithful. Okay, so temptation is not sin. Okay, if you, if you act on it, it is. Or like Jesus said about adultery, if you have such a desire for it in your heart, 
that it becomes a sin in your heart, then that's sin also. But just being tempted is not, temptation itself is, is just temptation, okay? And Jesus shows us how to go, how to get past it, how to go beyond it. And he shows us that the key is to refute the lie that's behind the temptation. That's what we see him doing here specifically by using the word of God to cut through all of the the nonsense, the confusion, and the noise that the devil is bringing up. And this particular temptation, the devil was using, I think, one of his best tricks, which I call call, uh, confusion. Go back to the, the, in the passage... The devil took him to the holy city, put him on the, temp- the temple pinnacle and said, if you're the son of God, again, planting that doubt, throw yourself down for it's written, he'll command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone, right? The Bible says, the Bible says that God won't let you fall all the way down, that on their hands, these angels will bear you up so you won't strike your foot against a stone. So if you really want to find out, you can find out. It's easy. See, the devil's using the Bible. Don't you hate that? Can you, do you, have you seen in life that sometimes people use the Bible to say something that it's not really saying? Doesn't it drive you crazy? Isn't it like, you know, half the movies out there that have some crazy serial killer who's running around quoting the Bible, you know, thus saith the Lord, and he's doing all these crazy things with, and he's writing Bible passages, like, it's crazy. And then you get people who are just misquoting the Bible, misrepresenting what God's word says. It's, the, it's a classic sucker punch move from the devil. It's, he's been doing this for a long time. And you can have really good, well-meaning, Jesus-loving people come to you and point you in the wrong direction, okay? Jesus had, to, had, to, had that with Peter. Jesus had to tell Peter, get behind me, Satan, because Peter was trying to tell Jesus, no, you can't go and die. It doesn't mean that Peter doesn't love Jesus. It doesn't mean that Peter doesn't love God. It does mean that the devil is tricky and gets us to do things that we wouldn't do otherwise. He'll do everything that he can to lead you astray, to lead you to anything other than what Jesus wants you to do. If this is the next faithful step, the devil wants you to do anything else. And if this is the next faithful step, he's going to try to make you stop. And he's tricky with how he does that. Sometimes we have to say, get behind me, Satan, and realize what God is really saying. And he always always says that. We can do that. Jesus shows us by going back to the word of God. God always provides a way through temptation and, and toward what he wants you to do, especially if you have his word locked into your heart then those things will come up like that and you'll just hear them when you're tempted. Let's keep going. This is verse eight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, the devil said to Jesus, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. For it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. 
in this final temptation, the devil has thrown his best tricks at Jesus. But now he's being less clever. He basically puts all his cards on the table. And we see his true motive here is to be worshipped. And you should write this down. The truth is that all the temptations that we go through are battles for our worship. If worship is an outward expression, a, a, a positive outward expression of who Jesus is in your life, who God is in your life, when you do something outwardly expressive that isn't a reflection of who God is in your life, the devil receives that as worship. You're worshiping anything other than God, the devil's like, winning, that's a win for me, that's a win for me. All the temptations that you go through are battles for your worship. Are you going to worship yourself? Are you going to worship an ideal? Are you going to worship Jesus? Are you going to worship the Lord? Are you going to worship your spouse? Are you going to worship your family? Are you going to worship your finances? Or are you going to worship the Lord? Because ultimately, every temptation that you go through is a battle for your worship. The Bible says that the devil is the Lord of this world because he, he's in charge of all the broken stuff, right? All the brokenness in the world, someone has to be responsible for it, and that's the devil. And he has power. He has authority. He can give you a lot. He really can, but it'll destroy you because it takes you away from what God wants. It robs you of the true, good, loving blessings that God has for you. Satan wants your heart, okay? He, you can still go to church. You can still have a Bible that you rarely read. You can still pray right before a meal. You can still go to Chick-fil-A. You can still put bumper stickers on your car that look Christian. You can still post things on Facebook that seem like they're fairly good and religious things. As long as when push comes to shove where it really matters, you're not really listening to what God wants you to do. If you're listening to anything else, that's a win for the devil. Anything else. I think it's interesting that throughout the passage, the devil uses good things to push Jesus away from great things. Does that make sense? The devil first used uh, Jesus' physical needs and said, you need some food. And he used the fact that Jesus was hungry and you can have food. He used that against him. And then with his spiritual calling, and then finally by offering him what he wants, Jesus has come to establish his kingdom. And the devil says, I'll give you a kingdom. I'll give you all the kingdoms. Look, we're up on a mountain. Look over there. I will give you your kingdom. And you don't have to die. You don't have to give up your life for it. I will give you everything that you see. And you know what the devil can do? He can do that. Because he's the prince of the power of the air. He's the Lord of this broken world. He can give you a broken kingdom. But Jesus says, I don't want a broken kingdom. I want to be faithful to God. We have to do that every time the devil comes to us with a temptation. 
Anything that's leading you to the left or to the right of what God wants you to do is a sin. And every time the devil tempts you to go to the left or to the right, we have to say, I, all I need is every word, every word that's breathed out of the mouth of God. Every word. All I need is Jesus. He could take away every other thing that I have. And if I have Jesus, I'm exactly where I, I need to be. I'm exactly where I want to be because I'm exactly where he's placed me. And there's no better place in the world to be at the center of what Jesus wants you to be doing wherever he's placed you. Second Corinthians 11 says, the devil masquerades as an angel of light. He will present you with things that seem good. They seem good. They seem like, yeah, I do deserve that. Yeah, I should have that. Yeah, I, 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 that is what I want. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, your heart is not honoring Jesus by listening to it. We have to listen to Jesus. Submit everything back to God. Worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. That's what Jesus said. For me, when it comes down to figuring out um, who am I listening to, what am I supposed to do, where am I supposed to go, uh, I find that it's helpful to remember that the fruit of the Spirit, when, with the, the, the things that the Spirit produces in our life, what the, what the Spirit sounds like is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. If you're hearing something and it's not producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, it's not coming from the Lord. If you're experiencing something and it's bringing you tons of anxiety, you're in that, that message is not coming from God. If you're hearing something and it's making you afraid, that is not coming from the Lord. If you're hearing something and it, you might think, oh, that's love, but it's not. It's lust. That's not coming from the Lord. If it's making you impatient, if it's making you frustrated, if it's, if it's, if it's giving you anxiety or fear, if it's, if it's making you hostile, if it's stealing your joy, it doesn't come from the Lord. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. If it's stealing your peace, it's not coming from God. Peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Those are the things that come from the Lord. Those are the things that the Bible leads us toward every single time. We go through temptations. And none of us fights those battles perfectly. There are things that you want. There are things that you think you need. There are things that you're wrestling with. But I want you to hear the Lord speak to you in this passage. All I need is Jesus. All I need is every word from the mouth of the Lord. That's all I need. And if that's all you need, what's the devil going to tempt you with? Nothing. It's going to come up empty because all I need is Jesus. Amen? Amen? Let me invite you to make a decision this morning.
if you've been upset with God for not giving you what you want, let me invite you to repent and ask for forgiveness. Let me invite you to choose to say to the Lord, Lord, your grace is enough. All I need is you. I'm sorry for wanting what you haven't provided. Help my heart to find peace just in you. If you've been giving in to temptation, let me invite you to make a decision this morning to repent and ask for forgiveness and choose to worship the Lord alone. Confess your sins and let Jesus forgive you because he can and he will. And if you've never trusted Jesus with your life, let me invite you to choose this morning to make a decision to trust Jesus, to repent from the way that you've been going and to turn to him and say, I'll follow you from now on. Let's pray.